Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey everybody, welcome back to Screen Heroes, your TV and film podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your host, Derek, and I have my two other lovely hosts with me again this week, Ryan Hi. and Ray. Hello. And we are here this week to do a little retrospective on 1993's Demolition Man, starring Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes and Sandra Bullock. And uh, we are doing that because recently Stallone announced or said in an interview that Demolition Man 2 is legitimately in the works. So we thought this would be a good time to look back at the film. Before we do that, of course, we will have our news segment on the show. Uh Let's let's start things off with the the train wreck that is DC. Um, so DC, of course, has their streaming service, DC Universe. It has been out for what a year and a half, two years. Yeah, something like that. Um, it hosts shows like Titans and Doom Patrol, the one season Swamp Thing, uh, the animated Harlequin show, uh, Young the new Justice s- season three. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's basically it. it is, then it has a massive back catalog of just DC content. Um, so, of course, with HBO Max coming from Warner Brothers, we've all kind of assumed, and we've talked about it on the show, that DCU would probably be phased out you know, by the end of the year and, and folded into HBO Max. Um, with that in mind, there are talks of a Titan spinoff um for DC universe but then at the same time swamp thing is now going to air the first season on the CW the first season that was shortened by 3 episodes yep mm-hmm. because of budget issues so yeah can either of you explain what what Warner Brothers is I doing? I think Rachel knows knows exactly what's going on. Rachel, could you explain <laughs> this to us so that we can figure it out? Yeah, uh, basically, everyone's high on meth, and this shit's bananas. The shit is bananas. B a n a n a s. Nailed it. Um, my guess is that Warner Brothers has a ton. of of different people with their hands in like the honeypot and nobody knows what 
the right thing to do is at this time. They have successes. That's the the problem is like not everything sucks. You know, a lot of it is really good content, but they have no idea how to make it successful or how to get it to people. The DC Universe app is clearly not the best thing out there. It's not even available for all major streaming consoles, which is a huge problem. And uh, it's, it's not one of the cheapest ones out there either. So it has limited uh, access. It has limited appeal. So I, I think by, I think the best move is just to merge with HBO. To be completely honest, I don't think pushing more things onto the CW is smart considering just how successful the Arrowverse has been. I feel like the CW should try and branch out from that as well instead of absorbing what's not working on DC Universe. Yeah. But that's just me. I'm with you there. To, To add confusion to things, Doom Patrol will be dual releasing on mm-hmm. HBO Max and DC Universe and then Stargirl will be dual releasing on DC Universe and the CW. So it's all over the place like you were saying and it's just very confusing I think to people. Now maybe the CW wanted some of the rights to Swamp Thing so they could have the characters show up on their other shows, you know, like a uh, Legends of Tomorrow or one of the big crossovers rather than did. well You know what I mean? um and uh you know and rather than them trying to do a second season which i don't see how the cw could possibly afford um given the cw's smaller demographic and just budgets in general um so it's just very it's very strange it's super confusing and it's just another like notch in the dc belt of just complete flailing confusion over the last few years that I just, I can't wrap my head around. So any other thoughts on that before we move on to other things? I mean, I'm excited because I love, I love this one thing show. I thought it was really, really good. And I can't wait for you guys to someday watch it possibly sometime in the next 20 years. But um, (laughs) I don't think that the CW is really the place for that show. You know, it's like it's like if you have a favorite like uh, mature character, and then they get a show on Nickelodeon. You know, it's not going to make you that excited. Absolutely, it's like um, if if Marvel intends to have Deadpool three be PG thirteen instead of rated R, because all their other MCU films are. It's it. This is going to sound slightly sexist, but it's going to castrate the character to a certain degree like more metaphorically than physically of course but well he's a plant so well unless you're talking about deadpool yes and it'll just go back if it's deadpool that's true yeah i I mean i just i don't want to see somebody like something like swamp thing cut down to uh cut cut down teenager like (laughs) entertainment level um, like relationship drama. The show is much, much more than that. And uh, I worry that let's say it's really popular on the CW, which would be probably really good, but they would make a second season maybe if they somehow found the budget for that. Um, and it would be all kinds of worse. 
I just, I don't know how that, I mean, if, if DC universe could only afford barely 10 episodes, the CW is used to putting on these 20 plus episode seasons that, you know, a half order is still more than what Swamp Thing got. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so I, I just don't even see how it's possible for them to, to produce it. Um, I will say that if it's going to be showing on the CW, then I will probably watch it because I won't have to pay for it. Um, right but now. But you're already paying for DC universe, aren't you? No. No, oh. we stopped our subscription. We, and and I mean, that's part of that's because there just isn't enough content to watch. Like the Harlequin cartoon is actually really awesome, but I'm not going to spend, you know, $8 a month just to watch one half hour cartoon. But so was Titans and so was Doom Patrol and Swamp Thing was off. So all the content, they're probably like have more hits per, you know, total content than a lot of the other streaming platforms. It's just that they can't keep them coming out consistent enough to really make people want to stay subscribed to it. I mean, you're you're one of the most hardcore DC people I've ever met, Derek. And if you're not staying subscribed to it, I mean, yeah. the, what hope does it have? No, you're absolutely right. I kind of just assumed when HBO Max was announced that this would just be rolled into it, just like HBO is being rolled into it. And for that not to be the case is just super confusing. I, I don't understand it. Um if the if they believe in the content and the content is of the quality that we the three of us believe it to be then you want to give it the best chance of success and that's not on dc universe it's just not right um but you know i don't know i guess i guess we'll see there's rumors that dcu will survive well past 2020 with very slow drip drop content like they have been doing um but again with doom patrol season two dual releasing you know, that's another show you don't have to have DC Universe to watch. But Titans Season 3, you'll have to have DC Universe to watch and whatever spinoff they make of that. And Titans, as the articles were saying, is their most successful show. So Yeah. The thing is, it's going to push me to just kind of do what I, I don't, which which isn't really supportive of the show, which is just wait till it's out and then pay for a month and binge watch it. You know? Yeah. Uh, but like the Harlequin show, for example, it's like 12 or 13 episodes for the season. They're half hour episodes. They're released weekly. I'm not going to pay for three months just to watch that one show. Right. You know? Um, so anyway, uh, moving on to the other side of the streaming world with Disney and Disney plus, we have some more information on the Mandalorian. So the Mandalorian uh, season two is not going to be delayed. It is still uh, set for its October, October release. Um, not yeah uh no specific date but just october um they're doing pre-production remotely and we got some new casting news who wants to talk about the casting news you mean post-production what did i say pre yeah post-production yeah well ray do you want to talk about our casting news katie sackoff has been confirmed as a another mandalorian character Ooh, I don't remember the name off the top of my head because they all Star Wars characters are very uniquely named and it, I can't memorize them all. There's literally thousands. Bo Katan, I think, something along those lines. I didn't watch yes. the cartoon that she was from, so I don't know. Yeah, she exactly was in uh, was. Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, um, is, is where she came from. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. Uh, she actually was voicing the character, the animated version of the character on Rebels. So she'll get to play the live action version too, which uh, is a unique position to be in for somebody in Star Wars. 
Yeah, that rarely happens, but it it's kind of cool. It could mean that like we could see Freddie Prince Jr. and Donald Faison join the live action cast as well since they voice act and act in front of the camera. So Absolutely. Uh, but I'm a big Katie Sackhoff fan. She's really cool. She's a badass. And so I'm looking forward to seeing that. That'll be fun. Um, on top of things, we didn't really get to talk about this last week, if I remember correctly. Um, Boba Fett. Did we talk about Boba Fett? I don't think that was announced last week. I don't think. Okay. Um, just making sure I got my dates aligned right. So Boba Fett is apparently also going to be in season two of The Mandalorian. And I guess was technically in season one um very very briefly or at least his legs were um how do you guys feel about fett returning after the sarlacc pit any opinions we we did a poll in our group i really don't care boba fett's not one of the characters that appealed to me like he was a random bounty hunter that ended up kind of dying in a toothy vagina and it didn't matter until uh, Patton Oswald had his filibuster on Parks and Rec. Yeah, he, he uh, you know, was a bounty hunter that was supposedly the best in the galaxy that got beat by a blind man kicking his jetpack and making it malfunction. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. People overhype him and I mean, he was cool looking. But beyond that, I don't really have much interest in him. If they put him on there and he has a reasonable, you know, I don't know if, if it's reasonable and it doesn't isn't just fan service. I'm okay with it. It could be fun. The newer stuff is definitely making some of the older characters more interesting. You know, that whole murder scene in Rogue One where Darth Vader just destroys everybody. Like that's the scariest thing he's done this entire time. So <laughs> yeah. and it actually uh, adds context as to why people are scared of him. Absolutely, you know, in all these movies that you never really understand, other than he's a big, imposing guy. But mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, I mean, think I think I'm, I'm more excited for Ahsoka, which I didn't even watch. Um, which Clone Wars is that what she was in? Or yeah. was she yeah. in both? Yeah, Ahsoka's uh, in Clone Wars. She's a, from what I know about her, she's a very cool character, and we don't see a lot of Togruta in the live action. So, um, you know, that I'm more excited for her than I am for uh, Boba Fett. I'm in that camp. Um, you know, he, he was that character in the original trilogy who just didn't really do anything, but everybody loved the concept of, um, I hope that if they really bring him back, that they just don't even try and explain the Sarlacc pit thing. I don't, I, I don't even really need to see it. Well, so many people have written, you know, in the expanded universe and fan fiction that he survives. So I'm, I'm on board with it. I get it. He survives. But what my thing is, is now they, they have to explain why he's the best, why he's overhyped, because at this point, it's going to be tough to beat our actual Mandalorian. He's incredible at his job. So prove to me that Boba Fett's better than the one we have now, <laughs> or just kill him off for real, because <laughs> it, it's done with <laughs> Yeah, That's I kind of fair. agree with you on that. Well, in our poll, more more people definitely wanted to see him return. So that's that's what won in our poll of if you want. I just asked, do you want Boba Fett to be alive post Return of the Jedi? And yes, is is the resounding response. Um, 
If you I abstained. You abstained. If you aren't in our group, uh, we have a Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash screen heroes. Uh, please join us. We do polls like this all the time. We do lots of, of other content in there, posting news pieces and memes and having a good, good old time. And you can watch us live. We stream this live in there on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. So that's what we're doing right now. All right. Uh, last piece of news, at least, that I wanted to make sure we covered has to do with movie theaters. So, of course, during the pandemic, uh, movie theaters have been closed. Nobody is going to them. There are no movies being released. It's a pretty big deal. We talked about the changes to the Academy Awards because of it. And uh, AMC theaters has kind of been reported on as floundering, as being on, on the edge of, of bankruptcy. And them being the largest theater chain in, in the United States is a, a significant deal, especially to to uh, cinephiles, right? And like us. Like us, yeah. And Amazon apparently is rumored to be interested in purchasing AMC theaters. So I thought we could talk about that for a few minutes simply because I know at least I have incredibly strong opinions about that. But I want to pitch it to you guys since I introduced the topic. Do either of you have a perspective? Amazon is a necessary evil during the pandemic. They're like Jeff Bezos is clearly an evil man. And unfortunately, Amazon is doing a lot of great work getting things to people in their time of need. But this is unfortunate. This is huge. It's going to create a monopoly issue to a certain degree or just overextending. And I, I feel like it'll truly limit exactly what we see on the screens. I would much rather see AMC either uh, fail and close up shop in America or merge with another theater and see AMC buy them out or Amazon buy them out. But that's just me. Right. You're probably going to hate me, Derek, but I just, uh, I don't really, I mean, I know that there's a problem with it, but it doesn't really bother me a lot. I use Amazon. I use AMC. I mean, I, if it keeps the theaters open, then I'd rather that happen than them just shut down. I mean, I, I like the theaters that are what I've always used. Um, so, I mean, I, I want them to stay open and if that's what, that's what it takes, then, you know, so be it. I don't, I mean, all, all the movie, uh, movies are going a different way right now. I mean, it's going to happen period. Uh, so Amazon being such a huge company and AMC being the largest theater chain, um, you know, they're going to be able to dictate the way that it goes and, you know, Disney has a lot of power with the movies, you know, they're, they're huge movies releasing. Um, so it'll basically be a, a giant movie company that owns like 40% of the market share on movies in general versus a giant company that owns retail and the largest theater chain. Um, and so it's two multi, multi, multi-billion dollar companies just going head to head and, you know, I think in the end, it could be good for the consumer. Uh, that part, anyway, probably not the monopoly part, but 
you know, I don't know. I, I think that it's gonna that it's gonna be crazy either way. And I want AMC to stay open because I appreciate their theaters. And you know, maybe I'm a maybe I'm a bad person for that, but I want uh, I, I like my AMC and I don't want them to go anywhere. Well, I'm certainly not calling you a bad person for having a theater preference. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you, you touched on you know basically what what my my perspective is, which is um, you know. I didn't like Disney purchasing 20th Century Fox because of the the uh, market share they would then control, and this 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 causes a similar problem, but something a little more complex because for a very very long time uh, since the 1940s, I'm sorry, 19, yeah 1948, a stu- uh, production studio has not been allowed to own its own th- theater. Uh, this was decided in a Supreme Court case, United States versus Paramount Pictures back in 1948. And since then, it just can't happen. So AMC can show anybody's movies. Alamo Drafthouse and Cinemark and all, Regal, all of them can show whoever's movies they want to create a deal with. Um, now, there's always there's been some push, uh, especially as Disney's market share has increased. Disney throws their weight around and has been able to purchase out all of the IMAX screens, for example, for a, a big release or special screening rooms that might only support particular types of cameras. And we've talked about things like that um, on the show in the past. But at the end of the day, Disney can't do anything to stop AMC from also showing Universal Pictures and Paramount Pictures. Um, however... A couple of years ago, back in 2019, the Department of Justice wanted to seek termination of what was called the Paramount Decrees. And um, part of this was due to their belief that, quote, or that it was, quote, unlikely that the remaining defendants can reinstate their cartel, um, meaning their monopoly. Now, I don't think they thought through the idea of a massive organization like Amazon also having its own studio, uh, its own production arm, creating content for Amazon Prime, because um, it'd be the same problem with Netflix. So that's that's really where my my concern comes down to is that we're going to be two years out from that next year, and that is perfect timing for Amazon to do something like this. And my worry is we're going to have to have conversations about. Well, we can't go to AMC to see this movie because it's owned by Amazon and Disney won't show at an Amazon theater. So we have to go downtown and go to the Alamo. Then Disney would be losing so much money. So I don't think they would make that mistake. I would think they would work out whatever deal they need to 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 play in the largest theater chain in the world. Well, but you're assuming Amazon is wanting to do that. Well, they want to make money, too. And if their theaters aren't if they aren't showing movies that people want to see, then nobody's going to go to them. You're right. You're right. But I think that there is a really strong possibility that if Amazon does this, then Disney, Disney will do it. And Universal, well, Universal probably won't because they have their own thing with VOD, but uh, maybe Paramount does or Warner Brothers does. And the next thing you know, it's not that AMC is the largest in the country anymore. It's that there are five chains out there for the five largest studios and you go to the one that matches whatever the film is. You know, that certainly that, wouldn't be ideal. It's not going to be an immediate thing. You know, I'm talking 10 years from now, right? The landscape would have to change, of course. But um, I definitely see that coming down the pipe if we're not careful. Because if Amazon can do it, that doesn't. That there's, then there's nothing to stop Disney from doing the same thing. 
And I don't know why Disney wouldn't. I don't know why Disney wouldn't just immediately buy up whoever number two is, which is probably Regal, um, and and just move on from there. Okay. I don't know. Any other thoughts on that? Any other perspectives? No. Okay. Not for me. <laughs> All right. Well, then uh, we'll go ahead and take our short break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about Demolition Man starring Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes and Sandra Bullock. We'll be right back. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details all right we are back to talk demolition man so demolition man of course came out in 1993 Starring Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, Sandra Bullock, uh, and um, uh, Dennis Leary is in it. Steve Buscemi. Not Steve Buscemi. What? What? I was like, I whoa, whoa, know. whoa. Did I watch the right movie? Uh, I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> I, I sincerely apologize because of who I can, uh, what name I wanted to say is, is deeply offensive to Steve, Buscemi, to Steve Buscemi. I apologize. <laughs> Rob Schneider. Uh, who we have now had a film for two weeks in a row, which is shocking since in our previous 200 episodes, we never had to talk about him. So, <laughs> um, we owed it to him. We owed, Right, right. This is, this is payback. Um, <laughs> so, of course, like, like I said earlier, we decided to, uh, to talk about this movie because Stallone says that a sequel is in the works some 27 years later, uh, which is pretty crazy. So um, I guess Ryan, of course you've seen, you had seen the movie before. Mm -hmm. Now we talked about it, talked about that quite a bit. Ray, this was your first viewing. It was. Uh, I'm curious. Is, is there a particular reason that you had never seen it before? Were you avoiding it or no? um, As, as you guys have noticed, probably within this last year, a lot of the 80s and 90s action movies that were really geared towards a male demographic uh, escaped me for one reason or another, uh, especially since I was super young. Parents may have blocked it because of violence or language or something, or I just, it, the trailers didn't appeal to me or scrolling through, you know, tbs and tnt as a kid it didn't appeal so a lot of this stuff just kind of slipped through and you know most of them i've been pretty happy about missing out on but some have been hidden gems so i am happy 
about that. Which camp does this one fall into? Oh my god, I love this movie. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. All oh right. my god, I love it so much. It's it knows what it is the entire time and it doesn't pretend like it's something else. Also, this is the first time in my entire life I have found Sylvester Stallone hot and I want to go watch it again. <laughs> so, all right. So before we go into, into the details, um, it's interesting that they're talking about a sequel at this point, because from a financial perspective, it's kind of shocking. They never made a sequel. The, mov- the movie only costs 14 point, uh, Oh, no, wait, that's opening weekend. I don't even have a budget. I apologize. But it made $159 million in the box office way back in 93 as a um, as kind of a, a new IP. It wasn't a main franchise or anything like that. And um, you would think with that kind of money, because that's, that's like alien money, aliens money, uh, that they would have made another one. And they didn't. That, that They just didn't. Uh, these actors all went on to do other things, you know. Um so we'll we'll do our spoiler warning at this point for a movie from 1993. Um, but let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, so, so, right. So, yes. so this is the first movie you ever found Stallone attractive in. Yes. Okay. So have you seen Rocky four? Yes. Well, like I've you... seen parts of it. I've seen enough of it to know. Okay. Cause like, I mean, at least from my perspective, I feel like he looks like exactly the same. No, it's, it's definitely like the hair has something to do with it. It's tighter, it's shorter, and it just looks really good on him. His hair is always like a little floppity in the Rocky movies. Plus Rachel is also attracted to personality, you know, so his personality is much different in this movie. You know, the fish out of water thing maybe is appealing. That's fair. That's a good point. Um, so for, for me, this was the first thing I ever saw Sandra Bullock in and I had a huge crush on her as a kid. She looked really good too. And she was super cute. She was like a little cinnamon roll. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, is she not? (laughs) I, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever tried to describe a human being as a, as a cinnamon roll. Well, Rachel has done it several times, so, so I, I'm, you know, I'm in that camp, but this is kind of a weird movie in the, in the sense that. Ar- uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, uh, <laughs> Stallone is the fish out of water. But then also Sandra Bullock, even though it's her time period, seems kind of like a fish out of water too because she's dealing with this. I don't know. It's it's a very I, I can't name another movie where it feels like there's two people that are fish out of water, but one's from the time that they're in and the other one isn't. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, I don't know if it does. No, it I totally mean, does. She longs to be a part of the 90s so badly that it's it's silly almost like it reminds me of people that study history and just surround themselves with it like yeah you look cool maybe now to other people but if somebody from that time actually saw you they'd think you were a big weirdo so so before we blow past something real quick, I, this is a good time to bring it up. So Ryan accidentally was going to say Arnold Schwarzenegger. And one thing that I love about this movie and another movie that came out literally the same year, The Last Action Hero. Oh, I thought is, you were talking about Surf Ninjas. No, no. Um, they, 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 they star Arnold Schwarzenegger and Stallone and they both reference each other in their own movie that came out this year. So Stallone in Demolition Man mentions Schwarzenegger because they talk about how he became president. 
And that's funny now because at least he became the governor of California. And then in The Last Action Hero, when they're in the movie universe, the Terminator poster is Stallone as the Terminator. And I just like that. It's a, it's just a cute little thing that they, that they did, and I've always enjoyed it. Um, Ryan, how old were you when you first saw Demolition Man? Did you see it when you were young? Um, I didn't see it in theaters. Let's see. It came out in 93. So yeah. it probably would have been on like TBS or something by like 95 or 96. So I was probably like 12, 10 to 12 years old. Okay. Okay. So I was, I was a tad, uh, just a tad bit younger than that. Um, I basically. But in general, you are a tad bit younger than me. So it's yeah. probably around the same time period. By, um, <laughs> maybe was, you guys watched it at the exact same maybe. time we might have uh well i didn't watch it on cable first we my parents rented it from blockbuster they rented a vhs tape and um, it's a very old-fashioned sentence and so uh yeah so that's what so i saw it like whenever it hit home video um and i guess that would have made me about seven yeah um, so, so yeah, so I've been watching this movie most of my life. I've always really enjoyed it and thought it was a lot of fun. Um, where would you guys like to start as far as diving into things? Cause I, there's a few different areas we can touch on. So the very beginning when he's after Phoenix and it's 1996, is that? Yes. That is Stallone, a his Stalloniest <laughs> of any movie I think I've ever seen him in. Like, he, they were just like, okay, Sly, be the most Sly you can be. Don't hold back. Cheese it up. And he's already cheesy. So you add more cheese on top of that. It was like when you watch a movie and they have like, like you're watching an action movie, like Last Action Hero, and then they play an action movie on TV, but because you're watching an action movie, the action movie on TV has to be even more actiony <laughs> than the action movie you're watching. Right. That's right. what it was like. Yes. Uh, like, so it really stood out to me in this, this viewing. It totally does. And he bungee jumps out of the helicopter and Ray goes, did he just bungee jump? Right. Like that's just the start of it. I mean, it's so funny. Yeah. Every, every single move he makes is so over exaggerated. It's ridiculous. So, Ray, what did you think of the opening? Uh, the opening did not grab me whatsoever. Like, that, the opening, if the entire movie had been like that, I would not have been a fan of it. Because it just reminded me of a ton of other action movies that did it slightly better. You know, like, Die Hard was better. And Terminator was better than this opening. And... Wesley Snipes, oh, sweetheart. He he was just a hot mess in that opening scene, wasn't he? <laughs> See, I think this is actually my favorite Wesley Snipes movie. It is. It's mine oh, too. Oh, he gets so much better when he's defrosted. <laughs> like, he is so much better. Yeah. He's a really good fish out of water in this, too. So, But he I, embraces it. So, like, that's yeah, the difference. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I so, just think that the the whole movie improves once you're in the weird future where absolutely. everybody has no idea what to do. Yeah, that stood out to me on this viewing, too, that the beginning is really the weakest part of the movie, like, mm-hmm. by a crazy amount. No, I agree. There, There is one other moment, though. So Ray, Ray and I have been watching all of these movies, these, like, 80s action flicks and stuff that she's kind of missed. And she has kind of a habit of asking a question and then, like, 10 seconds later the movie answers it for her 
And so like the build, the building blows up or whatever. And uh, she's like, so like is demolition man, like his name, or is that like, just like the thing that they named the movie. And then immediately the, like the other cop calls him demolition man. And right. it just, it just cracked me up. I just love that. Ray, any thoughts? Do you like that? It's his name, his nickname. Look, I'm enjoying watching from home so I can ask these things and talk out loud and you don't get <laughs> mad at me. Cause when I very like slyly whisper to you in the theater, one time a film, you look like you want to physically restrain me. So that's because he does. I know. I know. There's no, no talking in movie theaters unless it's an emergency. Ugh. I stand by that. Um, all right. So then they have the, the cryo prison thing. Um, I always thought it was kind of a cool idea. Cause you know, there's lots of cryostasis stuff in science fiction and it's usually like the way they do it in alien, right? It's some kind of bed like device that you just sleep in. And I liked that this was something completely different. And I liked that they added like a reconditioning element to things where, because the whole point originally, right, of our prison system is supposed to be rehabilitation. Now, there's a lot of problems with it, and we're not going to talk go down that road. But um, the idea here that they're going to be rehabilitated while they're frozen, I think is a really interesting idea, because if it actually works, then this person should get up and they should no longer want to commit the crimes that they supposedly committed and and contribute positively to the world. Meanwhile, their entire family is dead and it's a they've been stored in a really impractical way because these cubes are like eight feet di- mm-hmm. diameter and there's no way you could build a facility safe say, you know to safely house enough inmates like as one jail does here. You know, you could never store even one jail's worth in a in a building, let alone the entire amount of prisoners. Absolutely, as as uh, a kind of interesting as cryostasis is, the the entire concept's still flawed, and it does have tenches of cruel and unusual punishment. So, while I I like the idea of a self-isolation that they aren't like in theory aren't really aware of so it doesn't drive them insane it coming out the other side does make them you know worse for wear and it could have been a really interesting film if it was even an hour longer and uh dealt with some ptsd because of that yeah, I mean, because the idea, I guess, in you know, in the 1996 timeline, is that this is relatively new technology. So I'm under the impression that at that, when he gets put, when when the two of them get put on ice, nobody's ever been thawed out before, after an extended period of time, right? And so no one's been in there for 30 years because it's new technology. So this idea that he was you know, not like awake but conscious of time passing and having like nightmares and and visions and so forth is pretty horrifying when you actually think about it in like an otherwise like fairly light movie. It's a pretty dark uh, kind of pinpoint of what's actually going on underneath that. And you, you'd have to wonder then for these people that got to be unfrozen before, what are their lives like? I mean, are they, are they traumatized by their time in the ice or was the rehabilitation enough and they're okay? A good point. Yeah. 
So, so anyway, so we moved to the future and we're in San Angeles, which I always thought was kind of a clever concept. I, I like when there's a few different sci-fi films that merge California cities. So I thought that was cool. What do you guys think of the aesthetic of the future in Demolition Man? I liked it. I thought, I mean, even watching it now, it holds up as something that could be feasible. And uh, yeah, I mean, other than Rob Schneider being a part of it, I would be okay <laughs> with that future. Uh, I I definitely loved it. The thing is, most futuristic sci-fi movies kind of show dystopias where there's a complete failure in government and society is broken down. So when you first get to the future and everything, like the technology is insanely uh, amazing the crime rate is next to zero and um you know people seem really happy it's it's kind of a wonderful place to get immersed in i can understand why sandra bullock's bored and of course we we find out later that there's a class system that uh is horribly disproportionate but it it was a nice change of pace since we're so used to the apocalypses. I think I think that when I was watching this movie, part of the thing that stood out to me was I kind of picked up on why I think Derek likes this movie. Well, at least one reason, and I think Ooh. it's because uh, you know Star Trek is one of Derek's favorite franchises, and it's uh, the the society in Star Trek is for all intents and purposes a utopia, right? The Federation or whatever, not Federation, I don't know, Earth, yeah, right, is is a place of happiness and peace. Um, so it's kind of like what would happen if we just like threw somebody from now into this utopia and expected them to handle a problem in the way that they're used to in a utopian society. Um, I don't know. That's, that's what stood out to me, but I'm sure Derek is going to correct me on how many reasons <laughs> there are that I'm wrong because I don't know every aspect of Star Trek, but no, it's just that, that, that just doesn't have to do like that. I never, I've never thought of that. I got um, a base concept. I'm saying, I think in subliminal, in a some subliminal way, that idea is appealing to you. I don't know. Apparently, maybe not. Sorry, I, Derek. Sorry I, for insulting you. It's not insulting. I just, I've never considered that. So I don't know. Um, but I mean, I, I like the future aesthetic aside from the civilian clothing, everything else is cool. I like the cars. I think they're, they're cleverly designed. I think they still look good. Um, you know, I, I think the, the police uniforms are sharp. Um, the set pieces are solid. Like I actually think it looks really good and it does have the advantage since it's from 1993 of being all, you know, kind of practical effects. There's not really CGI you know, pieces in here. Um, which is really helpful. Not until the end. Exactly. Right, right. Um, and so that, that just really helps it hold up. Uh, you know, over time, it looks really good. I, we watched it on Blu-ray, which, which looks really nice. Um, it was my first time seeing it, I guess, in like real HD. But, you know, I think that like the whole point, of course, is that they, they went way too far. Right. This idea that like there's there's no foul language and there's there's no spicy food, no spicy food at all, which is, again, kind of funny when Taco Bell won the franchise wars. Right. That that no salt, no salt. Fun fun fact, fun fact about the Taco Bell thing, please. So the version that I watched, which was also the Blu-ray, 
was not actually a Blu-ray. It was an acqui- a version I acquired it by other means. But apparently in the international version, which is what I got, it was not Taco Bell that won really? the franchise wars. It was Pizza Hut. And they went through and CGI'd all the signs that say Taco Bell to Pizza Hut. They dubbed over the speech. So it was very obvious that they were saying Taco Bell, but then they said Pizza I had to go and Google this because I couldn't figure out what was going on. That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, because apparently Taco Bell in 93 was not nearly the international restaurant that it is now. It was barely known outside of the United States. But Pizza Hut was much more well-known, and they were both owned by Pepsi companies. So uh, they switched it to Pizza Hut in a really not very glamorous way. The, the dubbing was terrible, and the CGI was mediocre. So That is fascinating. Yeah, check it out on. I'm sure it's on YouTube, so you can see that I'm not just crazy. But yeah, it was. I couldn't believe it. I believe you. It seems a little too weird for you just to randomly make up. But uh, that is crazy. That's really interesting. Because I mean, yeah, you're right. They're 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 owned by the same company. Um, that's why you have Kentaco Huts and stuff like that. Right. Um, but that's fascinating. I never thought about it. When they first said Pizza Hut, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I don't remember that. Well, because like the way, like I don't know the, the the way he says Taco Bell. I don't know how you could ever dub over that and have it not. Look oh, it awful. was not well done. Yeah, uh, it was not well done. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, watch it on YouTube after we're done, and uh, you'll see. But I, there's those are certainly like there's there's jokes thrown in here, right? And I think that's part of maybe Ray what you were trying to say is the movie knows what it is. It's having fun with itself, mm-hmm. right? It's it's trying to be silly. So there's you know the what i'm sure at the time was supposed to be the low of the low fast food becoming the fancy place is funny right well Um, sandra bullock is really the comedic gem here because between her wonderful mix of realism but naivety it's incredible i don't think i've seen other characters pull off such a mix of that and it's so delightful because like most of the lines she says they're truly genuine they're not meant to be jokes but they get a laugh out of you anyway and you're Mm -hmm. laughing with her not at her so i loved her character and i loved her chemistry with stallone it was it was perfect I really loved her like mixing up all the sayings from from uh, the nineties. Oh yeah, and they they all sounded like super dirty when she said, (laughs) "Let's blow this guy." Yeah, let's go lick his ass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This was a big break for her too. Like she had done some acting prior to this, but this was like her first big film with a lead role. And uh, the, the very next year, she got she did Speed. Right. So she had these two back to back and that kind of like skyrocketed her to a new level. Um, Fun fact about both these actors, both of them, their very first credit were uh, was in porn. Sandra Bullock did porn? Not really on purpose, to be completely (laughs) honest. So here. No, no. Here's the thing. Like she had a very small part and she got topless for it. And, uh, but everybody else around her, uh, got like all the other characters were completely naked. So she didn't have just like, he didn't have any sex scenes or anything like that. He just appeared naked and she appeared topless. And then after that it was edited and marketed after she got like 
more and more famous. Rachel, do you have the name of that? I want to make sure I definitely <laughs> avoid it. I, de- I, def- I just want to really, if you could have a link uh, in the no, chat, I definitely sure. want to make sure I avoid it. So here's the thing with his, it was rebranded and called the Italian Stallion and it's yes. still out there. He, uh, he has embraced it. She, on the other hand, sued and it is no longer out there. So I don't know the name. Okay. Well, well look, Ra- Ryan so and I sorry. really, Ryan and I understand. We have accidentally ended up in so many pornos together over our. <laughs> you know, sometimes it just happens, and yeah. ours was called the Italian Stallion too, which was a really weird thing. I don't know. I'm not Italian. Neither of you are Italian. So yeah. yeah. I don't we, know. We would just maybe walk your down... horses were. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. It was we were on naked on horseback, so I mean that could have been what it was. Oh, yeah. I feel bad for all four of your testicles. <laughs> they're mostly all right um anyway moving moving on with are you sure you want to move on i was Uh, enjoying that but whatever but there are like all these kind of joke aspects about the future are really a lot of fun and there's two that are just like very famous from this movie um i'll save the the best for last but the other one of course is the sex scene so to speak in the film and i i personally i enjoy this because ray's like so like when are they gonna have sex <laughs> i just kind of chuckled i'm like oh okay it's when i see two people in a movie with great chemistry and they're both very attractive i want them to have a sex scene right away was oh, this God. like 10 seconds before the actual set or before like the weird sex scene happened it was more like 10 minutes okay. but yeah i i called it pretty fast but i was like it's complicated um and, <laughs> and i hate that answer with him <laughs> Like, come on. If I had explained that to you, if I had paused the movie and be like, okay, so they have sex, but they do it with these magneto helmets on their heads <laughs> as they sit as they sit eight feet away from each other. And it mostly looks like they're just having a rave while they're naked. <laughs> His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. <laughs> But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. In a, I don't know, weird... First of all, those are Cerebro helmets, not sorry, Magneto. Sorry, Magneto, yeah, get you're, it right, right. Eric. Jeez, Jesus. amateur. I was, I was thinking of Magneto's helmet, but you're right, it's much closer to Cerebro. Um, so, Ray, what's what's your take on the sex scene? The very adult sex scene? No movie? fluid swapping. Okay, so first and foremost... I, I have to say that I would play around with those things. Mental orgasms are really cool. But at the same time, I would be very sad to live in a future where you can't, like, where you don't touch people. Like, that. that's just, no, no, I still have to have fluid swapping sex. So oh, I'm convinced. That's my take on it. I'm convinced people are still having sex because of the um, the accidental call that he gets, the wrong number call that he gets on the TV with the, the oh, one yeah, naked sure. chick, right? Because it's a 1993 rated R film. There has to be some nudity, right? That right there felt super forced, though. Yeah. They were like, you know what? Nobody else has shown boobs yet. We should just have somebody show boobs. And so that one felt forced, but <laughs> the sex scene was funny as hell. 
it always reminds me of like the the sex roulette channel that they have in Logan's Run. Does anybody remember that? No. 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 no? Okay. I try to block out that movie. Fair enough. Um, Ryan, what did, what did you think of Demolition Man's sex scene? I mean, it was funny. I, <laughs> I, I love that he's just so taken aback by the fact that people don't kiss or, you know, do the dirty, you know, in real life. Um, I, I thought that concept was really funny and seeing him trying to react to this whole thing. Although me and my girlfriend watching it did think it was a little weird that like, a day before that, he just found out his wife died, and then like the next day, he's ready to phone Sandra Bullock. Yes, me too. It's kind of fucked up, but whatever. Well, your thoughts on that, Derek? Yeah, I've never put two and two together before. I, just... I didn't insult this viewing, and then I was like, "Wait a second, that's really not cool." He still doesn't even know what happened with his daughter. Right. right like at one point, I think Ray asked me, she's like. Does she end up being his daughter? <laughs> like, oh, God. Yeah, I was super concerned. That Some old boy she... nonsense. Right. Um, okay, so then, of course, we have the scene, or the concept, anyway, which is the three seashells, sea excuse me. By the seashore. Um, now, Ryan, I think your your phone background is a little cartoon comic strip that explains how to how to use the seashells um do you you want to explain that to all of us or it's it's actually not (laughs) i just want to show this on record it's a it's a picture of my car um that's not what i saw but so i do have that meme saved on my phone it's not really a meme but whatever an infographic saved on my phone because it's actually been super relevant many many times I wouldn't think it would be, but I see people reference this and I don't, it, it really, like I probably have posted that 20 times in the last year just because something came up and somebody asked about the seashells and I contributed it. So I don't know why, but the world is still very obsessed with the seashells and I'm happy to teach people how to use them. My issue with the seashells is even if you use them, how are they being cleaned for the next person? You don't. You drop them in the toilet. So where are the other seashells coming from? They have a seashell dispenser. I don't think they show that in the movie. No, they didn't show that. It's just kind of assumed. Okay. I don't know. I don't know that that's intuitive because when he's in his apartment, he sees the three seashells. On, like, actually, it's, it's Ray's background right now. Those look like they're supposed to be fairly permanent. Yeah, I fixtures. actually don't know. So, I have no idea on that part. Okay. Okay. Um. Any any thoughts about that as a narrative device? Do you guys think it works as a joke? The seashells? Yeah. No. No, I don't think it really works because the entire time you're sitting there trying to figure out exactly how to do it. And because I'm sure there's like a couple different ways people have in their heads of how to accomplish it. I... I think There's only one been... correct way. Let's get, <laughs> let's get that out there. I think it would have been much more reasonable if they just would have had bidets. Like, that's what 90% of the world has. We're one of the few outliers that still use toilet paper here in America. So, you know, the bidet would have been a lot more effective. <laughs> I think it's a great joke device because it's something that it's implied that uh, everybody's laughing at Stallone because he doesn't get it. And 
the audience also doesn't get it. So I, I don't know. I thought it works that way. And so I'm kind of on the opposite end of Rachel. I thought it was funny. It'd be like if somebody came into our world, it was like, I, how do you use this paper? And we all were like, he doesn't know how to use toilet paper. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it makes you feel like you're part of the joke. I don't know. It's, it worked for me. I never really thought that much about it other than figuring out how to actually use them. Do you guys have three seashells above your toilet? No. Is that going to change now that you've seen this movie, Rachel? No. Okay. <laughs> Just thought I'd check. Uh, so one of my favorite gags in the film is the citation machine. And the fact that you get a citation for vulgar, foul language. Uh, the reason that I love it so much is it's not used and then forgotten. It is kept throughout the entire film. You can hear it quietly in the distance in various scenes. It is there no matter what character says a bad word. And I love it. I think it's clever. And I truly appreciate that they don't drop it. That they keep throwing it in throughout the film. It's never, it's never just dropped. I'm with you there. I like as soon as I saw it for the first couple times, I was like, "There's no way they're keeping that up." <laughs> and there were a couple scenes where it didn't go off, but I I looked really hard, and there wasn't a device in the background. It was like in the open air outside or something, so there wasn't a monitoring dis- uh, system right there. So if you hadn't had the seashell joke, you couldn't have gotten the joke about him using the citations as toilet paper, which is <laughs> one true. of the best yes. jokes in the movie. So <laughs> yes, even you're if right. you didn't appreciate the seashell jokes. You're you definitely right. appreciate its device. <laughs> oh man. So I, um, I want to comment on so in terms of the action scenes, yeah, there's the scene where Phoenix goes to break into the museum, and that's apparently where they store all the old firearms. Right. And apparently every single firearm in this museum has a million bullets with it. Just conveniently. Because it makes sense to store them all in the same place. And I had a lot of trouble with that. And also the reloading is like nothing. There's like no reloading in the whole movie except for one one part towards the end. There's if I, I pointed out to my girl said, oh, there he just reloaded. And that was after he fired like 400 shots from a pistol. So that's definitely a big issue, especially like he uses the cannon at one right. point and it's like okay so that not only are they keeping cannonballs there but i guess they're also keeping gunpowder yeah. and everything mm-hmm. yeah. right yeah. um and and he I, somehow knows how to use a cannon right like that was oh, no, really that, a thing i knew how to use in 1993 i had a huge problem when they fell down through the glass and the fire hydrant was attached and connected to water why it's a museum piece you right? don't set it up and have it working like uh that scene also has the what in my opinion is the worst cut in the film and that's when um uh, uh phoenix falls through and then he shoots up to bring um to to, to bring spartan down and spartan wasn't over the glass no right he was behind that little alcove part of the wall and when they cut back he's all of a sudden standing just like out in the open and and he falls through it's not a good cut i think it's the worst cut in the movie but that fight scene is really cool though like in the in the underground kind of abandoned street that fell in the, in the earthquake and he electrifies the water i think it's a pretty good fight scene yeah and something really great about wesley snipes that i always appreciate in his movies is 
uh, that dude is a legit martial artist. He's been training for a long time. He's well known in martial arts communities and has been since before his movie career. And you can really tell that this is somebody that's been uh, training their whole life, um, which was really great when they said that he'd been kind of rehabilitated with martial arts in the in the uh, cryo freeze. But then also he was really good at martial arts before the cryo freeze. So I don't know, but. But yeah, that's something I always appreciate about his action scenes is that he's very well trained and he commits to the choreography. I, I think there's a difference in his fighting style in the in the opening fight that they have versus later on. I think Maybe it's, it's just because I can tell, like, there's certain things that you can pick up on if you've seen a lot of, I, I don't know, maybe I'm giving myself too much credit. But I mean, there's little things of the way he moves and things like that that were like, well, okay, you're trying to make it look like you don't know anything, but... And I think that's that's kind of the key, right? Like it's it's probably not easy to, if you are a master to look like you're not, right? Right. And um, because like in, in the later in the films, he's he's much tighter, he's much quicker. You know, he looks much more disciplined when he supposedly has learned all of those skills. Um, so at least for me, as someone who's not a martial arts expert at all, I felt like the character was different. So it worked, I did like it that he did a lot of posing every time he like did a hit. <laughs> like he would always take a second to like celebrate that he hit Stallone. <laughs> that was great. Phoenix is one of my favorite villains in science fiction. He is so off the wall. He's so crazy. He's so funny. And it's, it's rare that you get like a funny bad guy, right? Especially today. The movies are so much more serious than, than they were back then too. And so having this, this funny kind of villain who's so kind of like um, almost flamboyant in a way in his nature was just really kind of a nice change of pace. It's still unique. Him as a villain, I was realizing when I watched this movie again, it shouldn't have worked for me because something I've complained about in other movies is that the villain is just so unlikable because they're they're just evil and there's literally yeah. no development to them beyond the fact that they're evil and he is i mean he's there's nothing redeemable about him he's mm-hmm. literally just a horrible evil person um but he's so charismatic in the way that he does it that i think i can kind of forgive that and, and i do like him as a villain i don't know if he's one of my favorite villains ever but he's definitely a good villain and um he, he it worked for me when it probably shouldn't have I agree. I think what kind of makes me like Phoenix a little bit more is the fact that Kato, the man behind him, is just even worse, even more <laughs> evil than Phoenix. And oh, man. Uh, so I turned to Derek after the after Jesse Ventura shoots Kato dead. And I was like, you think you're gonna resurrect all these people you'd put that same little uh death prevention thing in them too but what's the thing is he didn't know that they were gonna resurrect all those people he was only planning on uh on uh, on thawing out phoenix the other people were phoenix's request that he thaw out because he needed a team Mm -hmm. so i mean i'm sure that it was something that took time to put that into phoenix that's just what i assumed no, I'm with you both. I, th- I think you're both right. I think it definitely sh- would have taken time, but I also think it's it's kind of silly to not consider that that would be a possibility, you know, because he's so, Katu's so pompous and like he becomes a worse villain because he's just such a pompous ass, right? He's so stuck up and he's so pretentious uh, throughout the whole thing that like when Phoenix actually kills him, 
you don't feel bad. If anything, you're like, finally, <laughs> you know, right. this guy's gone. Um, I did notice, uh, you know, it has an interesting parallel to the original RoboCop. Um, you know, so spoilers for the, and I guess the remake had it too, um, where RoboCop is built by this private organization and the CEO is not a good person and RoboCop has it in his program to not be able to arrest or, uh, physically confront that person, that CEO. Um, and so I, I kind of thought it was an interesting parallel that I never, I never connected personally in the past, but, uh, I definitely noticed this time around. Yeah. Um, there are some technologies like the movie, of course, didn't get the future, you know, that we have, uh, but there are some technologies that we already have today that are in the movie, like the virtual presence devices at the conference table. In fact, what we have today is more sophisticated than what they have in the movie. Cause those things are stuck in the ground and they just kind of turn versus we have ones that you can actually remote control all the way around buildings. Uh, so I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to see that we've moved past that. The self-driving cars is another one uh, yeah. you know, that you still have to sit in the seat, you know, like you're driving and be aware of what's going on. But if the car could drive itself to an extent, well, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned that to my girlfriend. There was, yeah, I mean, to be fair, this movie did get a lot of stuff really, really close in terms of like society that is almost creepy. You know, the Schwarzenegger thing is one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, that that one was I, I had forgotten about that. And then I guess they have a True Lies poster on the wall. Was it True Lies? I can't remember. No, no lethal, lethal Weapon. weapon. Yeah, they had the Lethal Weapon three. poster on the wall. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. But the, this this movie actually had some, a lot of stuff between the technology and society that was closer than it should be <laughs> to what real life is. Well, the societal stuff is interesting, uh, particularly now, because the whole idea that they're trying to get across is that they've put like this paint job over the city and it's a beautiful paint job. It's gorgeous, but underneath is like all this rotted wood. Right. And it's interesting because that's not unlike a lot of parts of our society where everything is pretty and looks nice, but underneath there are a lot of people who are needing help and are in troubled situations and are literally stepped over because um, it doesn't conform to the prettiest part of society. And, uh, you know, that, that's not something I obviously really paid attention to as a kid, but now, especially during this pandemic, when we, when people's uh, economic status is, is more significant than, than ever and the, the jobs and roles that people play in society, it's incredibly relevant right now. Um, okay. I killed the mood, but <laughs> A little bit, yeah. <laughs> it's all good. What you said was factual. So, yeah. you know, I'm not arguing. I just also don't have a follow up. That's fair. <laughs> um, so, you know, of course, there's the big, big climactic fight back at the cryo place at the end of the film and, um, and all that. Is there anything, um, anything else in the movie, any substance of the film that we haven't touched on because we're kind of at our, our mark here that you would like to talk about before we wrap up? I think I'm good. I like that he got his car, got a car to drive around in the future. That, I thought that was great. <laughs> the, the muscle car, you know, being able to drive that around and chase down the guy in the in the uh, future car. 
Yeah, the uh, I think it was an Oldsmobile. Yeah, yeah, it was an Oldsmobile four four two, and and Sandra Bullock getting like super excited, and like she, this was a scene where she was really great. She was great through a lot of the movie, but like she had this like shit eating grin, super excited look on her face the whole time, mm-hmm. even though this is like supposed to be she's supposed to be professional and they're trying to catch this guy and everything else. But it, she was like a kid in a candy store. She looked so so excited, and I thought that was a really really cool moment for her. Also down there is the uh, the rat burger moment, which uh, I think is hilarious, right? Because Stallone, of course, wants some real food because there's you can't even put salt on your food in this future. And he smells the burgers and he, he gets the burger. And, and Sandra Bullock makes the point of, you don't see any cows around here, do you? <laughs> and so he asks what it is. It's a rat burger. And, like, you think he's going to, like – stop eating it but he doesn't he to- he finishes the whole freaking burger i mean and... if it's good why not you know that's my thoughts too <laughs> i just love that i just think it's great um and i don't know i, I like that whole scene because it really sh- paints a-, a picture of who those people are they're normal people with families and lives and jobs who are just trying to get by and they just don't want to necessarily fit into this supposed ideal that's that's above right um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love this movie. I think it is a ton of fun to watch. I really enjoy our main three cast members. I think they're, they're wonderful. Um, you know, it's, it's probably my favorite Wesley Snipes role. It's how I was introduced to Sandra Bullock. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I love it all the way around. Any final thoughts? My real only complaint is that we get rid of Rob Schneider really early on and i'm super happy about it but they replace him with the even worse dennis leary and like i much rather would have kept rob schneider throughout the whole film yeah but could rob schneider have led that group of people i rob schneider didn't need to be the leader but neither did dennis leary i get like dennis leary's entire role is also his stand-up where he just yells things super fast and he's angry and you feel like he's gonna have a heart attack on stage but he's not funny so you kind of want him to i guess i've never watched his stand-up so that didn't bother me (laughs) it's harsh he's he's pretty awful he's an awful i I believe you uh, but now i definitely will not watch his stand-up if i was ever going to his role his role's so small that i've never really heard you know yeah, he barely does anything the whole movie. I do like that Benjamin Bratt's character joins the rebels. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> it was adorable. He looked so out of place, and I loved it. Like, yet he, so happy. He looks he's so wearing happy. the tire armor, but he's still really clean. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. It was adorable. It was cute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like the kindergartner who wears her fifth grade sister's clothes. It's cute okay i'm with you ryan any final thoughts from you no i think we pretty much covered anything i mean i already talked about the the car which was kind of the last thing i really wanted to touch on in the movie fair enough all right well then that's going to be it for us this week on screen heroes thank you for joining us we appreciate your support on the show and if you joined us live uh thank you very much for chatting with us live if you haven't joined us live before please do we do this on tuesday nights at 9 p.m eastern 8 central in our facebook group just look up the screen heroes facebook group um next week what are we doing next week we are reviewing uh justice league dark 
the Apocalypse, Apocalypse War. War. So that's the animated film that's part of the DC animated universe. Uh, the climax is... of the yeah. animated universe. This is the the Avengers Endgame of the DC animated universe. Before we continue, it's uh, the original animated universe or animated original universe. The DCAU is the 90s stuff. The Batman animated series, the Superman animated series, Justice League, all those. And then these are referred to as like either DCAOU or DCOAU. I'm not sure which way the O and the A go. I don't think people know that because everybody has Warner Brothers. I know, right? DCAU. I just want to be really specific because I think a few people, maybe like one or two, do. And of course, those are the people that'll listen and yell at us. <laughs> I'll say that if you're really wanting to get the most out of this movie for anybody trying to prepare for next week, uh, Flashpoint Paradox, uh, Justice League War, and Justice League Dark, and maybe Justice League versus Teen Titans. I hadn't seen that one and I was able to enjoy it, but um, those are the top four movies that I would recommend if you need to w- watch any of those DCAOU or whatever. Yeah, right. Um, before you watch Apocalypse War, um, those would be the ones I recommend. One is better than none of those if you don't have a lot of free time, but they're all pretty good. So, well, luckily, I think those are some that we've all that he and I have seen. So, mm-hmm. we should be good. Yep. All right. Well, then that's going to be it for us this week. We, of course, are Screen Heroes and the Heroes Podcast Network. You can find us at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter or at Heroes Podcasts on Facebook, heroespodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, and anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Uh, If you leave us a review on something like iTunes, we will uh, talk about your review here live on the show like we did last week. So please do that. And if you review us from another country, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know so we can we can check that out. Sometimes we miss that kind of stuff. Uh, Ray, where can people find you? At Siren Ray. Ryan. At Buster Props. And I am the Star Trek dude. You can also find me in the shameless plug of the Gamer Heroes podcast, which is officially back from a four-month hiatus. The first full-length episode uh, was released today, May 12th, the day we're recording this. So please go ahead and check out Gamer Heroes. I would appreciate your support. I'll be having both Ryan and Ray on the show for future episodes to talk about video games. So there you have it. Thank you all for joining us. We appreciate it. Have a good week. We'll catch you next time.